were so shocked by this because they thought, how did he write this this fast? Well, of course, he had written it, you know, long before. That's not how the timeline works with something that's going to come out in April. So a lot of people wanted to read it. And then also a lot of people wanted nothing to do with it. Jen, I'm curious about your position on this. Do you mainly like to read to escape or do you like to read to illuminate? Um, Both. And actually, I know my list that I sent to you had more fiction on it, but I tend to read both. Um, I sometimes have two to three books going at the same time. Um, And of course, then looked at Jennifer's list like, oh, right, I wanted to read that. Get out your pencil and take some notes. You're about to get some great new book recommendations from your fellow listeners and a pair of library professionals who also curated personal lists of the year's best new reads for our website. I'm Sarah Fenske, and St. Louis on the Air continues just after this. I want to remind you that the biggest source of St. Louis Public Radio's funding comes from listeners like you. Because you value what you hear on St. Louis on the Air, donate today. Go to stlpr.org donate. That's stlpr.org donate. One of the few silver linings of this pandemic is that many of us have more time to read. Even if you're not a book lover, you may find yourself turning to the written word. When you can't go anywhere and you've already watched every single thing on Netflix, you still have books. So why not read something great and new? We want to hear about the new books that you read and loved in 2020. And in just a bit, we'll open up those phone lines. But first, I want to turn things over to a pair of experts. Jennifer Alexander is Collection Development Specialist at the St. Louis County Library, and she joins us today. Jennifer, welcome. Thank you. It's nice to be here. And we're also joined today by Jen Ozork. She is a regional branch manager for the St. Louis Public Library and works for the Carpenter Branch. So, Jen, welcome back to the show. Great. Thank you. Nice to be here. So, Jen, both you and Jennifer compiled lists of your favorite books of 2020, and yours had a lot of fiction on it. We'll get to that in a bit. But first, I want to touch on a nonfiction book that I understand made a real impact in your life, and that is Joy at Work, Organizing Your Professional (laughs) Life by Marie Kondo. What made this such a game changer for you? You know, it's funny. Um, I, I knew about Marie Kondo. And I had seen that she had put out this book about organizing your life at work. And I thought, you know, sometimes I feel a little overwhelmed and maybe maybe there's something here. And there actually was. Um, I found that her techniques are are pretty sound. And I went to work after I read the book and I cleaned off my desk and I put a bunch of stuff away and I organized. And now... I actually feel a little bit less overwhelmed, and it's been such a crazy year. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can use all the help I can get. Um, <laughs> hey, we're so... all in that boat right now, yeah. But so tell Definitely. me this. I mean, I associate her with you're just supposed to throw a bunch of stuff away. I have no idea if that's right because I haven't actually read the book. What What's your number one takeaway from Joy at Work by Marie Kondo? Um, part of it was, like, throw stuff away that you don't really need, meaning – do you have to have all that paper printed out or can you access the information somewhere else? And I realized like, yes, I have all these folders. And while I go through my desk um, and my file folders once a year, it was like, you know, I really don't need a lot of this stuff. And a lot of the things on my desk, I realized, no, I, I come in in the morning, I look at my desk, there's stuff all over it. And it immediately made me feel tense. And now 
I make sure that there's only the few things on my desk that I actually need. So when I come in in the morning, I'm organized. I'm ready to go like, okay, I know what I'm doing. You know, I, I'm not looking at piles of stuff and feeling like, oh my gosh, there's so much I have to get to. Mm -hmm. So actually her whole kind of idea of simplifying um, really worked. Hmm. Well, that's um, great. That's that's quite a recommendation. I mean, just hearing you say that, I'm like, I want that in my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't know if I'm going to read a whole book about it, but I'm at least going to go throw away some piles. Um, but for people who want to read the book, that's Joy at Work. That's by Marie Kondo. Now, Jennifer, you had two different nonfiction books that we actually featured on this show, uh, both of uh-huh. them that have some really strong local ties. One of them was Candy Men by Patrick Switzer. What did you like about this one? Um, well, Patrick Murphy is like a, um, I don't know, public television celebrity here in St. Louis. And uh, it was great to have a history about this company that's been around for so long. And I never really tied to St. Louis that much. I didn't realize that it was these two families and three generations who created and built it and maintained this company. So that was really great. And it was nice because uh, Patrick Murphy is such a well-known figure around town. So that was really good. And I, I do want to um, thank you for subtly correcting my error. I said this was by Patrick Switzer. This is by Patrick Murphy, and it's about Switzer candy. That book is Candy Men. This was a really good read. You also chose, on a much more serious note, uh, The Broken Heart of America by Walter Johnson. Uh, what about right. this book uh, felt important to you? So um, Walter Johnson is a, um, a historian at Harvard, and he writes about St. Louis, the history of St. Louis, and how it is a bit of a microcosm for the history of the country as a whole. And uh, in terms of race relations and even um, how commerce was changed by race relations. And so he looks closely at St. Louis and then sort of expands out and then illustrates how that shows the history of our whole country. Hmm. And it has a really arresting cover too. It's it's the it shows the arch under construction and it's the since the title is the broken heart of America, it's the two legs of the arch before they've met in the middle. And it's a, it's a really good cover for the for the content of the book. Sort of a perfect image for what he's talking yeah. about there. Well, if you're listening to our conversation today, we're talking about the best new books of 2020, and we want to hear from you. What was your favorite book that was published this year? You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. My guests today are Jennifer Alexander of the St. Louis County Library and Jen Ozork of the St. Louis Public Library. We actually had Jen Ozork on our show earlier this year, we were talking about the best books to read during a pandemic. And I want to give a shout out to one of our callers on that show actually recommended a book that I ended up reading and loving. This is called The Splendid and the Vile by Eric Larson. And Jen, this was on your list for the best books of this year. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if the caller put it on your radar or it was already on your radar, but what did you like about this book? Um, It was, I'm going to admit, it was on my radar. Um, I am a huge fan of Eric Larson, Mm. and what I think is amazing is he takes history and he makes it read like fiction. There's characters and there's a pace, and it has this kind of enveloping feel to it. And then you realize you're learning all of this information, and frequently after I finish one of his books, I want to go find more information. Mm -hmm. Um, This book is about Churchill's first year as prime minister. And 
so you get this very nicely written history book with all this information, but this very humanizing approach to Winston Churchill, who, I mean, if we think about it, a lot has been written about Winston Churchill. But for sure, this really, <laughs> yeah, this this really humanizing aspect of like what he stepped into and the kind of overwhelming things that were happening, but also all of these other people that were kind of major players in things and then how he had to deal with them and how they had to deal with him. He mm-hmm. certainly had his own quirks. Um, <laughs> just, his just quirks in this book are, are amazing. I mean, he's running around in like a red dressing gown, making people yes. drink with him till three <laughs> in the morning. I mean, he really is so vivid in this book. Lots yeah, of baths. definitely. <laughs> just, Jennifer, it sounds like, like you enjoyed this book, too. <laughs> yes, it was weird. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> um, yeah, Jen, I mean, this is, and as you mentioned, it's funny, you read this entire pretty thick history of this one year, and you still want more. In fact, the book I'm reading now, The Daughters of Yalta, um, my interest in that came out of this. It, it talks about how Churchill's daughter, Roosevelt's daughter, and Avril Harriman's daughter, they all end up going to this summit in Yalta with their fathers. And my interest in that is directly related to the Splendid yeah. in the Vile. Yeah, I, I have heard um, Larson speak, and he's just such a storyteller. And I think that's, that's a really good nonfiction book. To me, when it reads like fiction in the way that you get caught up in it, and then you want to know more, like what happened next. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is with nonfiction, usually you can find out. So, <laughs> that's um, a great point. You know, it's, yeah. it's not an imagined world. It's it's there for you to e- exactly. I want to go to the phone lines. Um, Sharon is calling from Kirkwood with a book recommendation. Um, Sharon, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Good afternoon. I would like to recommend the book Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. It's like a sociological textbook of race and caste in the United States, in India, and in Hitler's Germany. Mm-hmm. It's a very much of an eye-opener book, and she is an excellent author. I enjoyed it thoroughly, learned so much, and have been challenged by it. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for that rave. And, and Jennifer, I understand this is also one of your picks as, as best nonfiction of the year. Oh, yes, definitely. So I was thrilled when I heard that a new book was coming out by Isabel Wilkerson, Her first book, Warmth of Other Suns, is about the great migration of African-Americans in this country, uh, the end of the 19th, early 20th century. And she is such a good historian because uh, kind of what, similar to Eric Larson, like Jen was saying, I totally agree. He's a great historian. She brings it to reality and she's just basically telling a story so you don't get bogged down even though there's a lot of detail in it so this one um she's she's using the comparison between our country and our social order here in india and nazi germany and making some really profound points about our race relations and the causes of them. It's really very interesting. And and Sharon, you mentioned there that she's talking about Nazi Germany, she's talking about India, other systems. Are these things where you feel like you now have a greater understanding of the parallels between our, our country's problems and some of those things? Well, absolutely. I mean, I don't know that much, especially about India. Like like the rest of you, I've been in, enthralled with Eric Larson's Sp- Splendor in the Violin, other books about World War II, but India took me to a whole nother level and how 
cast I knew existed there, but I learned a lot. So it was it was just an excellent read. Well, Sharon, I want to thank you so much for, for that rave, for sharing that here today. And if you're listening to this conversation and you have something to add, a new book that you enjoyed this year, we want to hear about it. You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. Um, our phone lines are open now. We also heard from some people on Twitter. Um, Aaron says their favorite read this year. Um, this is, again, by a local author. This is by Sarah Kenzie or Hiding in Plain Sight. We had her on the show. That's a great book. For Nanora, it was a tie between uh, The Broken Heart of America, which we just talked about by Walter Johnson, and The Last Children of Mill Creek by Vivian Gibson. This is an amazing memoir. I just can't rave enough about this book. We we also had Vivian on our show, and she's talking about this neighborhood in St. Louis that uh, was cleared out in the name of urban revitalization. They basically put a highway through it, um, and it was a wonderful, thriving neighborhood before that. That's The Last Children of, of Mill Creek by Vivian Gibson. And we do want to mention um, you can find interviews about many of these books on our website. That's stlpublicradio.org. My guests today are Jennifer Alexander, Collection Development Specialist at the St. Louis County Library, and Jen Ozork, who's a Regional Branch Manager for the St. Louis Public Library, the Carpenter Branch. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation and take more of your calls. And now back to our conversation. We're talking with Jennifer Alexander, Collection uh, Development Specialist at the St. Louis County Library, and Jen Ozork, who is a Regional Branch Manager for the St. Louis Public Library. Um, And we are hearing from some people with their thoughts on their favorite new book that has been published in 2020. I think I'm going to go right back to the phone lines. Uh, Jean is calling from St. Louis. Um, Jean, hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi. Sarah and library representatives, thank you for your service, public libraries. I want to recommend A Universe Less Traveled, which came out in June from Eric Von Schrouder. He was a guest on your show. That's right. Eric is a St. Louis native now living in California, and he created a sort of a utopian eco-science fiction fantasy where a modern-day St. Louis salesman, son of a legendary salesman, stumbles into an alternative reality of St. Louis that the main character calls HD, as in high-definition St. Louis. The ways in which people were living outside and had plants growing on the sides of buildings to cool the plants had a wonderful ecological um, angle to HD St. Louis. I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the plot. I got a big charge out of all the St. Louis-centric stuff just because I know what those things are. But I think people anywhere would enjoy that book. And especially I loved the the new Cahokia mm-hmm. civilization that had arisen in H.D. St. Louis. Well, Gene, thank you for that. That is quite a rave. Uh, that is also a book we discussed on this show. You can find more about that on stlpublicradio.org. It's A Universe Less Traveled by Eric Von Schrouder. Um, and yeah, that, that's a really fun book. Jennifer, I want to ask you about another fiction book that is um, mostly set here in St. Louis, and that is Jack by Marilyn Robinson by one of the most acclaimed novelists of our time. I understand most of the series that this book is in have been set in Iowa. So how does St. Louis fit into Marilyn Robinson's work here? 
Right. So this is the uh, conclusion to this series, this four book series that began with Gilead and is very beloved by so many readers. Um, so Gilead is the written in the form of a uh, elderly preacher writing a letter to his young son. And his dear friend is another is a also a different minister from a different uh, congregation. And he has a wayward son who um, has left home and is kind of the black sheep of the family. And uh, there's trouble there. This book is the story of that wayward son, who is Jack. And he happens to be in St. Louis. He's moved around the country and he's in St. Louis. And the story centers on he has fallen in love with an African-American high school teacher and, and this is in the 1950s in St. Louis, and it's illegal for them to marry. And so the hmm. story is about their romance and his strained relations with his family. Hmm. And Jennifer, from what you know of St. Louis and what you know of the time he was writing about, is this grounded in the sort of specific detail where St. Louis should maybe feel seen? Oh, right. Yes, there are um, there are many um, descriptions of they they actually spend some time in cemeteries and they and they talk about the the city as he actually spends some time basically homeless and so he's walking the streets and so you do uh recognize a lot of st louis hmm. i gotta say i'm just a sucker for a book that is fictional but set in a, a city that's real that i know well i just i find that right. so interesting when they're talking about oh and they went down this street i'm like oh this yeah. is <laughs> just I, it's fun <laughs> yeah it is fun <laughs> um and we do want to let you know our phone lines are open if you want to join our conversation if you have a new book uh that you've read that you want to recommend you can call us at 314-382 8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Now, Jen, you had a lot of fiction on your list. I get the sense you love reading fiction yourself. Um, Tell me, of all the fiction you read this year, um, in terms of the new stuff, the stuff published in the last year, which of these do you feel most enthusiastic about recommending here? Um, Definitely The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Um, I think there's already been a lot written about this book well not reviews a lot of people talking about it um it's so beautifully written and i think that it's something that a lot of people will be able to kind of get themselves feeling like they're part of the story or at least having it resonate with them um the basic idea is the main character does not want to keep living Mm -hmm. the life that she's living and on the night that she basically wants to stop she enters the Midnight Library. And in the Midnight Library, it's filled with all the books written about the lives that she didn't lead. So if she had chosen not to do something, there's a book about what her life would have been like if she had done that. Hmm. And all of these different possibilities, and it's explained to her, you can basically like try all these. And if and if it's meant to be, you stay there. And if it's not meant to be, you come back to the library and you can try another book. And it's just really fascinating because I think a lot of us, there are those moments where you reflect back and you say, wow, you know, what if I hadn't decided to do this thing? Um, you know, for me, I changed careers um, when I became a librarian. And I could say, well, what would have happened if I had never done that? Mm-hmm. And the Midnight Library lets her explore these things But of course, you know, 
is she really going to truly find happiness even if she's able to live these different lives? So it's kind of an exploration of that idea, and it's just beautifully written. It's really, really nicely written. You know, Jen, this sounds to me, it, it kind of reminds me of this um, book by Kate Atkinson, Life After Life, which I read a couple yes. years ago and loved. Have you read that one, too? Yes, yes. Is it even better than Life After Life, I, which I thought was amazing? <laughs> um, I think it's, I think it's, I wouldn't say it's better. I think it might resonate with people a little bit differently. Hmm. Um there's a little bit of kind of a wistful feeling. There's some sadness, of course, in the Midnight Library. I mean, the the basic premise is that the main character doesn't want to keep living. Hmm. And, you know, that's not a happy thing. Yeah. But I think that's something that, you know, resonates with a lot of people, whether it resonates deeply or not so deeply. Everybody has regrets. And the exploration of that, I think is just really, really interesting. So I wouldn't say it's better. It's different. Hmm. Well, that is The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. That is quite a recommendation from Jen Ozork. Um, and Jennifer, I wanted to ask you about one of the fiction books on your list. Uh, you recommend The End of October by Lawrence Wright. He's normally a great nonfiction author. Here he turns his hand to fiction. And it, it came out... Um, I, I understand it, it It was early enough. It could not have been inspired by the events of the past year. But it's <laughs> right. about a global pandemic. Does that feel a bit too on the nose to read this during this year when all we're experiencing is a global pandemic? Right. It was. It caused a bit of a stir because uh, it came out in April. And the, it's the, like a medical thriller. And it's about a virus that comes out of Indonesia and then spreads across the globe. The protagonist is a um, World Health Organization scientist who's trying to find a vaccine and, you know, get everyone motivated. And people were so shocked by this because they thought, how did he write this this fast? Well, of course, he had written it, you know, long before. That's not how the timeline works when something that's going to come out in April. So a lot of people wanted to read it. And then also a lot of people wanted nothing to do with it because they did not <laughs> want to read about a global pandemic. I, I sort of get both feelings. Yes. Jen, I'm curious about your position on this. Do you mainly like to read to escape or do you like to read to illuminate? Um, both. And actually, I know my list that I sent to you had more fiction on it, but I tend to read both. Um, I sometimes have two to three books going at the same time. Hmm. Um, and of course, then looked at Jennifer's list like, oh, right, I wanted to read that. Um, <laughs> I had the same reaction with your list. That's great. I love that See? you guys are getting new book ideas from each other's lists. And, oh. and we are going to get those lists on our website for people who want to be similarly inspired. Um, we will make sure that you get to see both of the complete lists here. Um, Jennifer, you had another book on your list that felt to me that was very inspired by current events, or maybe was almost even ahead of current events, not in the U.S., but in India. And this is called A Burning. Um, this was such a good book. Uh, tell us a bit about what you liked about this. Yes, uh, A Burning by Mega Majundar. Um, it's, a, it's a debut novel, and it is set in India, and it tells a story from three different perspectives, and the author writes in the voice of these three different people. And it's basically the story is a young woman makes some sort of offhand comment online, and, at, and it's after a terrorist attack on a train, and she ends up getting accused of being part of it. And it's all misunderstandings and uh, prejudices. And 
it just keeps, it just sort of snowballs. And it's a fascinating book. And it's the kind of book when you finish it, my first thought was, I cannot wait to see what this author writes next, because I just thought it was so good. Hmm. And Jen, we've been talking about fiction, nonfiction. I feel like memoir is something that kind of bridges the gap sometimes between those two things, even though it is nonfiction. It, it kind of has that that quality of, of learning about one person's life. You had a memoir on here that I have not read, but I'm very curious to hear more about. This is called Rust. What's the story here? Um, yeah, I I actually had, had read an e-galley of this um, and then reread it. So Rust is the memoir of this woman who wanted to leave the hometown that she grew up in that basically had steel mills. And she wanted to do something else with her life, but, you know, the best laid plans don't work out. And she wound up working at the steel mill. And it's really, really interesting. I didn't really know that much about steel mills and all of the different components. You think in your head like, oh, well, it's probably really scary or really, really noisy, and it is, but it's also Mm. really fascinating. And she struggles because she doesn't really want to be having to work there. Her life isn't going quite the way that she wanted it to, but she unexpectedly makes some friends. And I think that that's kind of the interesting thing about it. She has a lot of candor, so she's really upfront with, hey, you know, I wasn't in a happy spot and I was doing this and this guy at work was really weird and then we started <laughs> becoming friends and the then you've got the background of like, this is what we do in the steel mill and this department does this and this department does that and it's really, really dangerous. Hmm. But it's kind of exciting at the same time. Um, just really, really interesting book where I was learning about her but also learning about this industry um, you know, so so you kind of get this like dual thing happening in the book. Yeah, that sounds terrific. That's called Rust, a memoir of steel and grit. That's by Elise Colette Goldbach. I think we have time for just one more caller. Um, I'm going to go to Mike, who's calling from Mascuda, Illinois. Uh, Mike, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Oh, thank you, sir. I really enjoy your show. Well, thank you hey, so much. Uh, okay, I've got two books real quick. Great. A Woman, a Woman of No Importance by Sonia Cornell. And it's about Virginia Hall, who did espionage work, American, who did espionage work for the British in Vichy, France, during World War II. She was on the Gestapo's hit list. They couldn't find her, but she, uh, she it's a great story. It's a very compelling story. It reads like a novel. Mike, that sounds so and, good. That's a woman of no importance for those who are hooked by Mike's great description there. And Mike, you said you have a second yeah. book, too. The second book is She Come By It Natural by Sarah Smarsh. It's uh, Dolly Parton and the Women Who Lived Her Songs. And is this a biography of Dolly, or this is about yeah. women? No, it's a biography. <laughs> well, it's a little of both. It's, it's about uh, mostly about the working women who Dolly sings about. It's not a feminist manifesto by any means, but uh, you know, Dolly shows that she's a very savvy businesswoman and understands the American... Uh, the American public. So it's a good read. That's great. Those are two great recommendations. Thank you for that, Mike. Uh, That is A Woman of No Importance and She Come By It Natural, uh, the latter about Dolly Parton. Jennifer Alexander, either of those books uh, something you're familiar with? Yeah. And actually, there's another book out right now about Dolly Parton called Dolly Parton Songteller. And it's a large book and it goes through the songs. And again, 
uh, like this, the, the Sarah Smarsh book, it talks about how these songs have resonated with people and their lives. Hmm. So it's kind of interesting. I feel like Dolly Parton is having a moment. Like apparently yeah. she's partly responsible for the COVID vaccine. And, you know, she's, right. I mean, it's like, how could she be a bigger heroine? It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so we have time for just one last recommendation here. Jen, I'm going to kick it back to you. Um, you had such a great list of fiction here. One more book you'd want to highlight here in our, our final minute of this segment. Um, I am going to highlight The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune. Um, this is a fantastic book. There's such a range of characters, and I know what I put on that is for anyone who ever felt like that they didn't belong and that they weren't understood and they just wanted to be accepted and loved, this is your book. Hmm. And if you never felt that way, this should also be your book because there's a lot here about learning about others and being empathetic. Um, there's some magical realism going on in this book. Um, it's a story of a guy who works for this extremely upper management, and he's sent to investigate this island that has a caretaker who's unusual, and the children that live there have kind of these interesting magical qualities. Um, it's a great book. That really, is, really great book. That is The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune. Um, and for the rest of Jen Ozork's list, you're going to be able to find that on our website as of this afternoon. We'll also have Jennifer Alexander's there. That website is stlpublicradio.org. And Jen Ozork, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, this was great. Thank you so much. And Jen is a regional branch manager for the St. Louis Public Library. We were also joined today by Jennifer Alexander, collection development specialist at the St. Louis County Library. Jennifer, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. This was, pl- was a lot of fun. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.